What we're gonna do right here is go back. Way back, back into time. Hello, my friend, and welcome to another episode from the WW Radio Archives. I am Lou Mangello, and this is show number 716. And each week, I'm going to select an evergreen episode of the show to share with you that maybe you haven't heard before or you haven't heard in a long time. From interviews to top tens, relevant reviews and guides and wayback machines and so much more, it's a great way to visit or revisit some of our favorite episodes, including ones that you've suggested I share from the vault. This additional show in your feed is also going to offer an opportunity to introduce and experiment with a few other different types of content as well in a lot of different formats. So for example, maybe one week instead of a show from the archives, I might do something that is more time sensitive. Instead of a top 10, I might do a top five. Maybe I'll even do a top five or some other shows solo. Maybe resurrect my Disney in a minute segments, but in audio format. I also can take ideas and inspiration from you and go from there and incorporate more Marvel and Star Wars and other aspects of our fandom and love of Disney and just see where it takes us. And for this week and other episodes from the archives, instead of uploading the entire episode, I'm just going to take out the relevant segments, cutting out the intro and outro and outdated news and rumors and announcements. And if you want to hear the full episode, I'm going to let you know the original show number so you can always go back into your podcast player or feed and listen to the full show there. So for this week's show, I just returned from our incredible WW Radio Adventures by Disney group trip to Italy. Yes, I'm going to do a full recap and review on an upcoming episode very, very soon. And I'm still sort of wonderfully reeling in the feeling of the Italian La Dolce Vita. So I went back into the archives this week to bring along with me to Italy in World Showcase in Epcot Center. Because for decades, World Showcase has afforded visitors the opportunity to Walt Disney World to visit, explore, and learn about regions and cultures and people from all over the world And I think in many cases, countries that they might never get to see otherwise. And as with all things Disney, it's always rooted in story. And in the case of the Pavilions of World Showcase, it's also rooted in the real history of these countries as well. You know, we wander through these replicas of villages and buildings and shops and streets and temples. But just how close are the pavilions to the real thing? And way back in the past, we asked and answered this question with detailed looks at the UK on show 202 and Norway on show 236 with people from the United Kingdom and from Norway. And back in 2018 on show 528, we did it again when we traveled to Italy. And for this episode, I was joined by a friend who is from Italy who helps to compare and contrast the pavilion with the country. And we recorded it live as we wandered through the pavilion and talked about the architecture, the cultural, the symbolism, the history and the stories as we virtually toured the piazza and the shops, all the different dining options, history, architecture, and a lot more. It is a fascinating look into how and where Italian culture, traditions, and history are found in the pavilion itself and the real attention to detail that Disney Imagineers included to provide guests a truly authentic experience. And of course, we might stop to sample an item on the menus or two. I am actually very curious, just personally, and interested to go back myself and listen to this one, having just returned from so many of the locations that inspired and are featured in the Epcot version. And I'd love to know from you, is Italy one of those countries that is on your bucket list to go and visit? 
Have you ever been to Italy and how do you think the pavilion compares to the real thing? You can let me know by sharing your thoughts in the WW Radio Clubhouse on Facebook at www.radio.com slash clubhouse or call the voicemail, tell your story, be heard on the air at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode from the archives on the WW Radio Show. For many guests, Epcot Center, it's always going to be Epcot Center to me, is their favorite park in Walt Disney World. For some, it's the attractions, the promise of the future, the festivals, food and wine, yay, and of course, World Showcase. Because here, we're given the ability and really the privilege of visiting 11 nations from around the world and experiencing cultures and cuisines that we probably wouldn't get a chance to otherwise. Each nation isn't just unique, but affords us the ability to wander, engage, learn, and of course, eat. Because how best to learn about a people than through their food, right? And so for me, excuse me, one of my personal favorite pavilions is Italy. It speaks to me not just because of my personal heritage, but for the art, architecture, music, romance, and well, obviously. But just how close is Italy to Italy? Well, I haven't been there yet, but stay tuned. We've got maybe, because there may be an opportunity for us to go together soon in the future. But I know someone who has and can help us navigate, tour, and compare Italy in Epcot to the real thing. I want to welcome my friend Maria Boli, who was born in Italy, not the Epcot version, the real one, lived there much of her life and now joins the ranks of many of us who have moved from the Northeast down to Florida. Uh, ciao, that's the extent of my Italian, and welcome. <laughs> ciao, Lu, come stai? <laughs> bene, you're supposed to say well, bene. Got, <laughs> two years of Italian mixed with two years of Spanish did not make for a good combination for me at all. Uh, this is a, uh, a segment a long time in the works. We met however many years ago in Hollywood Studios, um, and the first thing I recognized was, was that your accent was not from New York. Really? Can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> I can't fake it. <laughs> so tell, give me a little bit of background in terms of, you know, I, like I said, you were born in Italy, but obviously, like I said, you also moved from the Northeast. Yeah, I was born and raised in Italy in a tiny place called Pesaro. I'm going to pull a Giada de Laurentiis here. <laughs> Every time I talk about something Italian. So my town was called Pesaro in the Marche region. It's on the Adriatic Sea. It's kind of in the center of Italy, like an hour and a half south of Bologna. And then I moved to New York City 20 years ago with a theater company. And New York City has been home ever since. And I just became a Floridian, <laughs> I think a month and a half ago, for a few months. I'm going to be here for a few months already in my acting studio, but it's lovely to be here. And I have a piece of home right now. <laughs> exactly. And I'm, and I'm so excited, not just because I think your accent's awesome. It's like literally like the first day I met you, I'm like, we need to do something in and about Italy together. So, and I'm going to promise you and you, the listener, I am not going to pronounce or attempt to pronounce any Italian words today because that um, that is while you're while you're here. And as we were walking up towards the pavilion today, you know, I said, um, you know, we were talking about how this pavilion compares. I think for a lot of the countries in Epcot, they try and bring in a number of different parts of the culture and geography and architecture. But here, you were even saying 
This is very much reminiscent of a single area in Italy for the most part. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we're looking at Venice here. First of all, it starts right here where we are standing right now. You have little bridges here. You have the gondolas right there. And we were talking, I was like, I wish they would have had a little gondola ride in the Italy pavilion. That would have been fantastic. And a little uh, thing that I, I shared with you before... Every time you take a gondola ride in Venice, every time you go under a bridge, you're supposed to kiss. <laughs> so please be sure to take a gondola ride with your loved ones, obviously. Don't kiss a stranger. Maybe that's why they don't have gondola rides here in Italy. <laughs> in, in Epcot. Just to be safe. Just to, yeah, just keep it as family-friendly as possible. Yeah. So, you know, I was just thinking, let's sort of switch things up a little bit. We're talking, you know, we're in Epcot talking about the real Italy. But in Italy, and this may be a bizarre question, is, is Disney... A big thing there, like is, is and is coming to Walt Disney World as a tourist mm-hmm. uh, a big vacation destination? Oh, absolutely. I remember growing up, and I grew up, you know, watching Topolino, that's Mickey Mouse, and Paperino, Donald Duck, we had different names. What's Donald called? What's that? Donald Paperino. What does that mean? <laughs> a little duck. <laughs> Literally means like a little duck, but those were the names. And... And, of course, we had nothing even close to Walt Disney World. And I remember my first trip to the U.S., I was around 13 years old, and we went to Disney in California, at Disneyland. And I remember my jaw dropped to the floor, and I was like, I need to live here. Just, just let me alone. And now you do. And now I do. And now I do, which I would wish for. Um, but it's very much loved. I mean, every kid grows up watching the Disney movies. And, and now that we have also, of course, Paris, that it opened you know, a few years ago, that's also a... A big center. And have you been to the one in Paris yet? Yes, I was there, I think, three times when it opened. So, you know, many, many moons ago. But, yeah, I was there. <laughs> so, do you know how Topolino... Do you know how Mickey Mouse got the name Topolino? I think it's just because it's a, it's a tiny mouse. That's what it means, Topolino, a small mouse. And it's a cute little name. And because, of course, also, we cannot pronounce anything in English. So, they have to translate everything. So, it's kind of true. But it's also because somebody... There's almost... The story of how it came to be is actually somewhat fascinating. It's not because Italians didn't know how to say Mickey and or Mouse. Back in 1932, there was an Italian newspaper editor, Mario Nerbini. Now you now you, now you say his name. <laughs> is it Mario Nerbini, you said? I think it's so much Nerbini. nicer when you say it. Say, say what's the cheese that begins with M and has two, two Zs? <laughs> La mozzarella. <laughs> so it's like, it's like Giada's here. Um, he wanted to create a, a weekly story in the newspaper for kids using Mickey Mouse. And so uh, later on that year, actually on New Year's Eve, he creates um, a story about Mickey Mouse being chased by an elephant. Unfortunately, he never bothered to contact Disney to get the name of the rights. So he named, he changed the name from, from Mickey Mouse to Topolino, which means a little mouse, and then swapped out Mickey Mouse with another mouse, which he called Topolino. And then eventually, about issue seven or so, um, he secured the rights to Mickey, and they changed the name to the, the Mickey Mouse short, and now made that his official name by removing the space um, in between. Because by that time, everybody knew Mickey as Topolino. Topolino, yeah, that's the name. I remember having the little newspaper every week with Topolino with all the stories. Yeah, that that was the name. And Minnie is Topolina. Topolina, yeah. Topolina. And I love. And spoiler alert: when we get to the store, like there's so much Topolino and Topolina yeah, merchandise in there. That's great. That's great. So, all right, let's, as we begin sort of our, our virtual tour, and it's a beautiful day, like yes. the sun has gone in, there's a cool breeze going on, the music is in the background, I, we have full bellies, so there's a huge smile on my face. But like I said, when you look at Italy, this is not an amalgam of 
lots of different cities and time periods. Like the UK takes you from the 1700s to modern times. This is like a salute. It's a salute to all cities, but mostly Venice. (laughs) That is exactly what it is. That is exactly what it is. And it's interesting to me because I think, you know, if you think about Italy, you think about Rome, definitely with the Colosseum, and then you think about Venice. And I'm happy that they chose Venice because it's such a magical place. If you've never been to Italy, it has to be on your trip. You have to see Venice. And I always say, if you go to Venice, be sure to spend at least one night there because there's nothing like walking around the city and seeing all the lights reflecting on the canal and, you know, on the water. It's absolutely magical. So I'm glad they picked this one. And I think part of the, the deliberate choice was because of the water features. You know, water obviously is is hugely prevalent in Venice. There's 117 little islands, actually, that are connected by all these um, bridges and 30 miles of canals and waterways. So what we see, you know, in movies on TV is, is obviously very much like the real Venice look. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's the way it is. And, of course, in Venice, you know, you can drive a car. So you walk around. Really? Yeah, there are no cars in Venice. Zero. So yeah, you have to. Yeah, you just walk around and you take the little boats and il traghetto from one island to another. That's how you move around. So you hear 30 miles of canals and waterways. You're like, wow, that's probably the most, the city with the most navigable waterways in the world. It's not. Right? Look. It's not. It's not. Do you know what it is? No. <laughs> what is it? Would you believe that there are some cities in Florida that actually have really? more? So Fort Lauderdale and Port Charlotte have about 165, but the the number one city with the most navigable waterways in the world is Cape Coral with 400 miles. Interesting. Do they have gondolas, though? I doubt it. (laughs) So I'm sorry. It's not working for me. (laughs) I know, and we'll get to the gondolas, and and we're actually looking at one now, and just how um, beautiful. But here there's only there's a 150-foot canal, and Mm -hmm. that's uh, that's the representation that we get but part and parcel with the canal are the bridges that we're standing in front of um, right here up against World Showcase Lagoon uh, one of the nicknames given to Venice is the city of bridges mm-hmm. just because again there are so many to get you know over and around yes of course I mean to, to go to walk around everywhere you just have to connect that way in the city and it's funny because like you know I had actually a friend who was in Venice um, uh, and was training for a marathon and she sent me, I don't know why she's doing that, but she sent me pictures of her like really early in the morning running around Venice and there was nobody there. And even though, yeah, I was the same, I was like, it looks painful to me. It was one of the most beautiful moments, she said, ever, like running on the bridges. And she says it was really beautiful. Sounds exhausting. I'm looking at these like 10 stairs in front of me. I'm like, that's it's, I feel like Rocky Balboa just walking to the top of those. But then you can eat, so. I, but I think you can eat without the running. And don't, oh, don't worry, we'll get to the food too. Um... I'm, I'm not even going to try and pronounce one of the bridges mm-hmm. right there. Il Ponte della Paglia. Which is located near the Doge's Palace. Yes, Il Palazzo dei Doge. Yes. <laughs> yeah, see, it's so much better when you say it than I do. This is great. Um, um, there's actually three bridges here in Epcot um, that cross the canal. Two of them were actually here on opening day. And actually, one of them was built only about 10 years ago um, that sort of bring us out to this island, which has beautiful views of World Showcase and Illuminations. Oftentimes it's used for special events. We did a dessert party here one night before a cruise, and it's just, I think, one of the, I think this is one of the most beautiful vistas in all of, uh, in all of Epcot because of what you have in front of you and, and obviously what you have um, behind you. And this, this 
island right here mm -hmm. is known as the Isle of the Lake, but I'm going to let you say it in Italian. <laughs> L'Isola del Lago. <laughs> so much nicer when you say it than, uh, than I do. But, you know, going to the gondolas, you were saying earlier how wonderful it would be if, if Italy here had a gondola ride, mm -hmm. much like they do in uh, Tokyo Disney Sea, which was one of my favorite things that I did there. Mm -hmm. Took a beautiful gondola ride. We saw somebody getting, getting married there. Oh, wow. You know, here, and, I, and if they had something here, the, I think there would be lines out the door yeah. to, uh, to ride it. Um, but in Venice, there were, um, there was like eight to 10,000 boats originally in the 17th and 18th century. Like, like I said, I didn't realize there was no streets, but that was the primary mode of transportation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because well, it was a major port, you know what yeah. I mean, for all the exchanging. And it was like a major, major port in Italy. And so everything was on boats there and it still is I mean to get around as we were saying before you have to be on a un traghetto that's how they call it <laughs> a motorboat or right. stuff like that yeah but yeah I think now that they said that there's only around 400 right. or so of those gondolas left right but the gondolas obviously they're more for the tourists because sure. you know I'm pretty sure it's an arm and a leg to get <laughs> on a gondola right now but it's a, like it's a mutt like you but, can't you can't go to Venice without exactly right. exactly it's one of those things that you have to do and, and it's it's very sweet and I can, speaking of sweet, I can't wait to get to one of those things that you have to eat when you go to, uh, to Venice itself. But there were actually plans very, very early. Obviously, World Showcase has changed in terms of design and concept through the years. Originally, in the back of the pavilion where Via Napoli, we'll get to the pizza, uh, currently stands, there were plans to have an attraction back there which was going to have a, a walkthrough of Roman ruins and a gondola ride. Um, there was before that that restaurant was there. There was just a big empty wall, and um, if you look sort of at a, a Google Earth view, you can see there was a lot of land back there that they could have um, that they could have built an attraction. But I think one of the things that makes this pavilion special and unique and beautiful is that the architecture, the the pavilion itself, is the attraction, and I think that's um, in, incredibly deliberate and there is sort of this main street that runs mm -hmm. down the center that's flanked by the two buildings mm -hmm. um, it's known as I, I want to say it but I can't in front of you it's, it's <laughs> called Welcome Street which means <laughs> Via Benvenuti yeah so there's no there is no um, sign actually there's a tiny one right there on the side of, of the building yeah. but obviously when you first come to the Italy Pavilion uh, the first thing that you see the first thing that you're greeted with are these two, you know, replicas of these 12th century granite columns topped with the two structures that mark the entrance to St. Mark's Square, also known as the Piazza San Marco. There you go. You don't need me anymore. No. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave now. <laughs> so there's two. Um, on the right is St. Saint, uh, Saint Theodore of Amasea. Mm -hmm. Close yeah. enough? Perfecto. Oh, yay. Um, my Italian teacher would be so proud or disappointed. Um, very similar to a legend of um, the St. George in Germany, sort of the, uh, the idea of um, uh, St. Theodore slaying that, that dragon and, and saving the city and all of its inhabitants. Um, he was actually the first patron saint of Venice. Obviously, the, the city um, at all of Italy with um, its roots, you know, very much grounded in Christianity. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's Italy. <laughs> Wherever you go, it's rooted in Christianity. That's for sure, yeah. And on the left side is a winged lion, and he is uh, the symbol... He's very much associated with St. Mark, but that very much is the symbol of the city of itself. Yeah, yeah, it's the symbol of Venice. And it's also right now the symbol of um, the Venice Film Festival. That's act the actual award. It's oh, the lion. Really? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, but it's the symbol of Venice, yeah. 
obviously Maria being an actress and a director and a <laughs> coach. All that sort of thing. <laughs> That's the three I know. <laughs> so we were talking about how, and also we can start walking this way, um, that this street, this entranceway, mm-hmm. uh, opens up into a large piazza mm-hmm. or a square that... In, obviously, here in, in World Showcase, serves as a, a meeting place, a gathering spot. But you were saying a lot of, not just Venice, but a lot of towns in Italy have piazzas like this that aren't just like that for tourists. Like, mm-hmm. that's still where people get together and gather? Absolutely. It's the heart of every city. And I think it's, it's great that they, that they did this here because, to me... That's more Italy than anything else in the in this pavilion. Like that little square where people can just stand around and just chit chat. That's Italy at its best. And all the buildings sort of face in, mm-hmm. so that it is meant to be the place that gather. There's a sort of a raised platform there for a while. They used to do um, live entertainment and stage shows. A lot of that happens now, sort of on ground level. But as you um, as you start to look into the pavilion and into this piazza in the building. The, the one of the things I notice is um, the color palette mm-hmm. that's used. Um, very warm yeah. of oranges and pinks mm-hmm. and peaches. Um, even the pottery and the walkways are the same way. You know, again, from comparing apples to apples, mm-hmm. is this sort of what that... that Absolutely, absolutely. That's it. Feels very realistic to me, and it feels very cozy. There's something about those this color scheme that just makes it feel very warm. And, and as you were saying, because everything is facing the square, it feels like you're almost like in somebody's house. Like it's very um, even like the, the 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 tables that you have. You can eat outside. That's another very Italian thing. Just you know, you just sit, have something to eat. You sit there for like three hours. <laughs> you know, that's very very Italian. But yeah, that's definitely very faithful to the real place. It's so funny that you said sitting and eating for three hours because yep. that's why I look the way that I do is because I don't sit for fifteen minutes. I sit and eat for um, for three hours. Mm-hmm. But in terms of you know, a lot of times when we go through the different pavilions, they are representative of areas or elements of different parts of the country. Here is meant to represent, obviously, a very specific location, but for deliberate, uh, very intentional reasons, the, what we're seeing from this side is reversed from the original. Yes, it is. And that's, I remember the very first time I saw it, I remember looking at it, I was like, I think there's something wrong with it, and I'm not <laughs> sure what it is, because I couldn't pick it up immediately. So yeah, the dimensions obviously are right. different, and yeah, the position of everything is a little off. But still, if you've never been to Italy, <laughs> it's a good start. I mean, and the, look, the, the buildings are still you know massive for yeah. us, but very much on a smaller scale from the original. And it is, they are reversed from their positions in the original St. Mark's Square. And the reason why was for sight lines. Uh, when Imagineering was looking at the overall um, world showcase from a distance, they wanted to create a balance with the American Adventure next door. They didn't want the large Doge's Palace next to the American Adventure and then sort of have this imbalance between here and the gap of Germany next door. So um, they placed... I'm going to, I know I'm going to, the Campanile? That's perfect. Il Campanile, perfetto. I get so nervous. Um, in between, so it, there's a, a, when you look at it from across World Showcase Lagoon, there's a little bit better of a balance and symmetry. Yeah, absolutely. I think it works perfectly. Obviously, they did it because, you know, it made sense and nobody does it better than Disney. So it, it totally works, yeah. So sort of going clockwise on our virtual tour, uh, 
I love this building. Yeah. Before I even knew what it was, I love the color and the architecture and uh, the, that, that, that sort of Gothic um, Renaissance architecture and, and the, the archways. Mm-hmm. So this is the... Um, this is known as the Doge. <laughs> See, I like it so much better when you say it. I call it the Doge's Palace. She says the Palazzo del Doge. <laughs> so the original was built um, around between 1309 and 1424. It was the residence. So it's not the Doge. It's the Doge. Doge. The Doge. The magistrate or the. Um, to the, the ruler of yeah. the city of Venice? Of the city of Venice. And this palace, and I'm sure you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but they went through a lot of renovations. Like it kept getting renovated. And I know they had two major fires in a, two different moments. So a lot of it, like the, the facade kept changing until it came back to kind of the original feel that they had with the very first one. So how does this look? You know, if you were to sort of be here now and then go to Venice. How different, other than the scale, does this look than the original? I have to say the scale is the is the most obvious thing. Um, other than that, you know, you, you, you definitely get a feel. And I have to say, right now, it feels like there's less people here than, than <laughs> right. there. Because Venice is known to have, you know, a lot of tourists. So right now it feels almost empty. Um, but yeah, it's it's very very faithful. I think they did an amazing job with it. All right. So, quick aside, if there was an optimal time to go visit the real Venice, when would that be? I always say September, because okay. it's when you know the kids go back in school, so you have a little less crowd. It's still a zoo because <laughs> it's always very very packed. But September, it's a good time, definitely. So, part of the reason why I love this building, look, even just standing in front on the the lagoon side, is the level of detail um, from the top and the finials all the way down to that, that you know, um, Gothic and, and Renaissance architecture. Um, if you look at the top of the palace, you'll see a statue of Doge Andrea Gritti? Gritti? Andrea Gritti. Andrea Gritti. Who represents a state, and, and she's kneeling before the Lion of St. Mark, which represents, is sort of symbolic of um, uh, the, the church in Italy. Um, and the book symbol that she's holding right in front of the statue symbolizes the sovereignty of the states of Venice. Um, but, it, you know, the amount of detail, because they really, obviously, the, 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 um, it would be doing a disservice if, if the level of detail was not completely accurate, especially for somebody that you, like you, would come here and be like, this isn't really what it looks like. It's not a Disney-fied version. It's just a shrunk-down version of the original. Absolutely. I, I agree with that. And, and listen, I came here with some of my Italian friends who are very picky. <laughs> and they walked into this pavilion. They were like, this is amazing what they were able to do here. And it's true. You get that feel. I mean, Il Palazzo del Dodge, it's beautiful. The details, as you were saying, they're absolutely... Even if you look at the windows, you see how many details. Even the little dust on the side like and it's perfect because that's exactly the way it is right that the aging and the discoloring yeah. of some of uh the the marble and the brick mm-hmm. and the stone obviously there's there's multiple levels we can all we only have access as guests to the first you have to imagine that there's storerooms or offices upstairs how cool would it be if that was your office inside the, the palace in the italy pavilion but even looking down on on this level if you look at the the capitals which are the the tops of the decorative columns that sort of bear a lot of the weight, they sort of, that's why they sort of uh, broaden out above the, um, the, the columns themselves. They are um, 
they're all the same here, although very intricately detailed. But from what I understand, the one at the original palace, all those not only hand-carved, but every one is unique. Yes, they're all different. They're all different. So that's you get a great picture spot with every single one <laughs> that you walk around. But yeah, they're all different there. Yeah. And you'll see, as you will elsewhere in the pavilion, um, lots of angels represented, um, a lot of, lot of um, you know, Catholic and religious symbolism yes, throughout. Of course, yes. You always have those. Even, yeah, even standing here, I was, you have the angels right underneath the lion right. that you were talking before. Yeah, so... Yeah, if you weren't, if you didn't know that you were in Epcot, you would assume that this building was here for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yes, I agree, absolutely. So the the Campanile, 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 the the bell tower um, is about a hundred feet tall here. It's more than three hundred and twenty feet tall and almost forty feet wide in um, in Venice. So obviously the scale is. The, the scale is, it's, it's a tiny bit off. <laughs> but I think, again, I think they did a great job because it still feels very massive when you're when you're looking at it. And that's the feel that you get when you're there. So even though obviously it's smaller, they still were able to give you that feel. And the original built back, um, it was started, it was, construction began in the ninth century, but was built as a watchtower mm-hmm. for, again, like you said, there was the nearby dock and the port. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and like the palace itself, also was damaged a number of times yeah. and uh, converted from a watchtower to a bell tower. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you ever heard, like there's now five different bells in the tower. Each has a different purpose. So the largest one rings at the beginning and the end of the workday. One rings at midday. Another one rings to summon council members. Another one begins to set it. And I think one of them has to be for like snack time too. Just. <laughs> Because do you do like, um, do you do like, yeah, because in Italy, excuse me, much like my parents and grandparents did, you take a little break during the day and have dinner very, very late at night, right? Yes, they do. Uh, And we do. I grew up like that. You have breakfast, then you have a little break in the morning. You have the the coffee break at like 10 or something. Then you have your full on lunch where people come home from work and sit down and have like an hour, an hour and a half lunch. Um, And then, of course, you have merenda. Merenda is your afternoon snack. It's usually around five. And it was another full-on meal. And then you have dinner late at night. Yeah. So it's nice to know that I've been doing it right all along and honoring my Italian heritage, unbeknownst to me, at home, because that's pretty much how I roll all day long. Um, At the top of the Campanile is the Archangel Gabriel. Mm -hmm. Um, Like the original, this replica is actually covered in gold, not because it's meant to be... uh, It's less decorative than the fact that um, it doesn't tarnish, and to use a precious metal like that was probably cheaper than having to uh, clean and refurbish the angel on a decorative base, which is part of the reason why they also use gold on places like Cinderella Castle as well, too. Um, let's sort of walk through. Let's sort of walk through the, um, uh, the the palace a little bit because there's details both inside and outside. Maybe we could even talk so. the palace. So why don't we talk about the? Um, why don't we go through? We'll talk about the. Um, the shop itself, yeah. it's, I don't want to even say it, Il, il, bel, <laughs> il bel Cristallo. The beautiful crystal. Yes. Um, so from what I understand, the arches of this shop are meant to be representative of the exterior of the Sistine Chapel. Um, but in here, I mean, the first thing, even before you see anything, you smell. Yeah. Um, there is... A, Again, it just reminds me so much of going to an event with a lot of my family members because you smell the uh, the perfume. And it's, it's funny that you just said that because I walked in and I got that sense memory of just 
women walking down Via Condotti in Roma with these beautiful dresses and this smell, this beautiful perfume. So yeah, that definitely feels Italian too. Or again, you know, my family originally came from Brooklyn. It was like when he went to a funeral, everybody was in black and he smelled it before he walked inside. I love my family That's to death, true. but you know, I again, look, our olfactory senses are the most, are the ones that are most directly connected to memory. So it, it's not a surprise that sometimes you smell things, and you know, this reminds me of my mother. It reminds me of my aunt. Uh, but you'll see that they have um, a lot of clothing and fine, I mean, fine leather goods, uh, jewelry, and a line of. Um, fragrances by the Aqua de Parma as well as the scents that are created here specifically for men uh, and some for women and I think Prada also has a line that's exclusive to only here and the store for yeah only here in New York oh wow I didn't didn't know that we might have to try it (laughs) I hope by we you mean you um, because I'm not sure if anybody wants to be (laughs) although it's incredibly hot outside so it might not be the uh, it might not be the worst thing um, yeah, because and this store has changed a little bit over the years. They used to have a lot more um, Italian themed for a long time. There was a lot of Ferrari merchandise in here, um, which I think you need to have the car first before you buy the shirt. But um, they've moved a lot of that to the other side. But um, the store is very simple. It's very elegant, and as you walk through, you get to really one of my um, favorite parts of this pavilion. Oh, look, there it is. There's, there's the. There's the fir- How do you say it? La Ferrari. Oh, La Scuderia. Scuderia Ferrari. <laughs> my, listen, I just want my... I'm simple. I'm a, my 1984 Ferrari 328 GTS with the target top one of these days. Audio guides are still on sale, by the way. So, um, but in the back is... And I'm going to mispronounce this. La Gemma Elegante? Uh, where I'm looking, yes, okay. La Gemma Elegante. Yes. The, uh, the, elegant, the elegant gem. Yeah. But primarily, in addition to some jewelry that they sell. Uh, the first thing that you notice when you walk he- in here are the Venetian masks, yes. which date back to the 1100s yeah. when uh, Doge Vitali Michele? Doge Vitale Michele. See? Close enough. It sounds like a character from The Godfather, but um, he, uh, he was victorious over um, the person he was running against and to celebrate that event a party called a carnival carnevale yeah. carnevale was given and all the attendees um, had masks and the reason why was to hide the differences of the social classes and eventually the church incorporated these, this event into Christianity it became the carnival of Venice which happens right around Mardi Gras correct? yes that's exactly what it is and it's interesting that you're saying this because they used to have the, the people used to wear those masks at different times of the year so not just for the carnevale but also also, like right after Christmas, all the way to the Epiphany, just to hide themselves. Yeah, really? yeah. It was born like that, and then of course it developed into the Carnival and everything. Yeah, yeah. And it's and you see they all, and I'm sure you know all this, but they all have different shapes. And I was actually looking for the one that are right there. You see the white ones that they have no mouth. It's almost like a prominent like chin. a beak almost like a giant it, it's almost looked like a beak that one the, the two right there the white one um, and the reason why they had it like that is because they were able to eat without removing the mask oh, <laughs> now you're talking that's the one I need to get yeah and then of course they have all the masks for the um, very famous characters of the Carnevale you have Colombina you have Arlecchino those are all the masks that are very very famous in Italy oh so I didn't realize that some of the masks were representative of individuals or characters I thought they were just decorative 
No, no, they have they represent characters, and 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 again, some of them they had different meanings be, be, based on the people that were actually wearing them at that time. Yeah, and then eventually, a lot of these masks were also brought in coming full circle to you. Yeah. A lot of these were also used in theatrical productions yeah. as well, right? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. La, la Commedia dell'arte. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's where, of course, then they still do. They still use all those beautiful masks and the costumes that they come with it. And so when Carnaval happens, um, is it still very much that costume mask production? Yeah. Il Carnevale di Venezia, it's like, it's something you've never experienced in your life. Like you see those incredible masks and those gorgeous ginormous dresses and um, it's just and it goes on for days from one party to another you go you know to one palazzo to another on the canal it's very very magical yeah I think we should do a follow up episode where we go during Carnival and we sort of compare again if we're going to compare Italy to the original we should probably do you know a bookend episode Um, one of the very first videos I ever did was with Giorgio Bolokalak who Mm -hmm. is the um, I guess he's the, the head craftsman and artist here, obviously they always have an artist here right. uh, working on it, was just how intricate and beautiful and delicate um, these are. I remember I was so impressed too, like I got one for my mother who, you know, of all the tchotchkes she had around the house, she never had a Venetian mask, <laughs> but they are, they are, um, they are little works of art. Absolutely, and I think it's like, if you go to Venice, and I guess if you come here to Epcot, especially to the Italy Pavilion, you can go home without one of those masks, and I think everybody in Italy has at least one of those on their walls. Yeah. Oh yeah, everybody has a little mask, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and if you have never been back here before, um, you should just, don't touch, look with your eyes, um, Don't because you, the, the oils of your hands will actually uh, affect the masks, um, but they're beautiful, and some of them are made into ornaments, some of them are made right. into jewelry and I guess you know if you wanted to you could take one and wear it to you could wear it to Carnavale but again some of them are um, so incredibly detailed I mean they, they would look beautiful up on a wall too. They're really gorgeous and the ones that they only cover your eyes were born for women so those were the, the first ones that women started to wear and then the, the female character of the Carnaval is called Colombina that's her name and so she used to wear one of those and then of course everybody can wear also men and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they're beautiful. Um, and again, little pieces. And I think one of the most unique souvenirs that you could um, bring back. Yeah. So we were talking earlier yeah. about the architecture and bridges. And we're standing, as you could, if you come out the back end of La Gemma Elegante, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try my best. Um, you come to a, a small alcove <clears throat> that has access to a backstage area but a beautiful staircase that leads to a second level mm-hmm. that's very nondescript but is one of my favorite little um, little sort of out of the way tucked away places here yeah it's really nice and then we were talking before this reminds me a lot of what's called in Venice il ponte dei sospiri <laughs> if you want to translate that go ahead <laughs> but il ponte dei sospiri in Venice used to be this little bridge that used to connect il palazzo del doge to the prison cells and so it was called Il Ponte dei Sospiri because that was the final walk of all the the people okay. going to jail <laughs> and it was their last look at Venice and so everybody was like oh, and that was oh, a little dead, little dead yeah, man walking yeah a little bit okay. a little bit but it was Il Ponte dei Sospiri and so this niche reminds me a little bit of that so do you know uh, again this is not accessible to guests but do you so um, <clears throat> at the bottom of the handrail is a the the statue of a woman 
I tried to. I was wondering if it was Mary. I don't know. If that's, what, that's what it looked like to me right now. But I don't. I actually don't know this. I don't know either. No, we're but gonna say it's the Virgin Mary. We can say it's the Virgin it Mary. Probably is. But if you come across the way, and this is one of my favorite little details, I love showing people that I think because most people have no occasion to come back this way. But look, even look at the door handles. Oh, yeah. How they sort of the the um, bronze fish. There's um there's a carving uh, of a pretty hideous looking face. <laughs> Which from what I understand was was modeled after Bacchus, who was the god of wine. I am not going to even attempt to read <laughs> what it says under there. Okay, it says Denontie secrete contro contrabandieri et trasgressorio in ogni sorte di ogni. Very dramatic, because we're very dramatic <laughs> in Italy. No, you've met my mother, obviously. <laughs> so, I love my mom, really. Um, very, but. Um, so, very short translation. Yeah. Do not pass over here. Like, just stay where you are. <laughs> you cannot pass. Yeah. So, That's so funny. something again about in in old Italian uh, about secret accusations mm-hmm. against smugglers. From what I understand, this was known as the mouth of truth. Yes, it was. Uh, so, you you this is something. That, this is like the mouth of truth. It's really in Rome, okay. and there's this, and it's like this, like really, really big. She has her arms way yes, out. No, I'm like, cause I'm, I'm used to TV people. <laughs> I'm used to a camera. <laughs> so um, it's usually really, really big. And, you know, it's known that you put your mouth, your uh, hand in it, in the mouth. And if you say a lie, your hand will not come back. So that's the, the, the obviously the, the legend. But yeah, it's in. Uh, it's that's in a much more morbid uh, <laughs> understanding of what I thought. Because Maria said this was sort of a, um, it was a mailbox that would allow citizens of Venice to anonymously lodge complaints against other people, um, the government, whatever, and report those crimes. So these were, at one point in, in the early days of Venice, found throughout um, specifically for that purpose. So you would write on a piece of paper your complaint about your neighbor, <laughs> drop it in there anonymously, um, or even the government, yeah. without any sort of fear of repercussion um, against you. So if your neighbor was a criminal or right. evading taxes or whatever, this was your way. It's sort of like a little snitch box. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. I'm so happy they don't have these, these, uh, yes, these anymore. Yes, we don't need those, yeah. Yeah, yeah they probably had those around Venice. I know, I know the one in, in Rome is known for, for that. If you say a lie, you, you lose your hand. But I'm sure they have all of those in Venice. Yeah, the Italians don't fool around. Yeah, you, like, you, yeah. you, yeah. You uh, you lie, yeah. <laughs> so as we continue again on our clockwise journey to the, the center of the piazza, um, I remember over the years a number of different. Sometimes the Zidi sisters used to be out here, but we're getting to arguably what what you can say is is some of my hour. We're Italian favorite parts, which is the dining. Um, to our left is Tutto Italia, which was originally known as. L'originale, oh, just you say it. <laughs> L'originale Alfredo di Roma Ristorante. <laughs> that was, for about 25 years, the only restaurant um, that was here at the Italy Pavilion. Uh, it was operated by Alfredo's of Rome. It was the, the parent company was based in Rome. Very, very popular restaurant. Um, not just because it was the only one here, but because the food was excellent. And I will tell you, as an Italian, and you're going to, if you haven't found this out yet, Maria... <laughs> Finding good Italian food in Florida, it's tough. Yes, it is. And you come from New York, so it's like doubly tough. <laughs> yes, I feel the pain right now. <laughs> yes. Um, 
in 2007, it transferred ownership and changed names to the Patina Restaurant Group and is now Tutto Italia, although it never actually closed. Like, they kept the doors open and just as business was going on, changed the name and some of the signage. I'll see if I get this right. Tutto Italia means basically all Italy, all Italia? No, Tutto Italia to me means like everything Italian. Yeah, everything Italian. Which makes sense because the cuisine inside is inspired by um, uh, flavors and recipes from throughout the country because like anywhere, like the United States, we have, you know, you know different flavors from right, New York right. as you would from the Pacific Northwest, as you would from the Southeast. So you'll have a lot of items that, and the, the menu is so huge. Yeah. I love it so very much. Yeah. Uh, and they have a separate lunch and dinner menu too. Maybe... <gasps> Maybe we need to come and eat here one night. Yes. And if we're going to compare the pavilion, maybe we need to compare the food as well. Very nice. I'm in. I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> so when we talk about cuisine that's that's northern Italian versus yeah. southern Italian, from a general perspective, what does that mean? Um, it's different. Like in the north, north of the mountains, you get a lot of meat. And of course, where it's cold, you get more stews that are very popular. And then when you go to the coast, then you have fish. And it's the most amazing fish. And, of course, the, the, the red string that connects it all is the pasta. Because pasta is like it's on every table at every meal. Always. Always. Yeah. Which is obviously why I have the fluffy <laughs> physique that I do. It's good for you. <laughs> uh, good but pasta. they do. They've got a number of different mm-hmm. um, pastas. Yeah. There's like 20 different appetizers. Yeah. Which, you know, that's like family style around yeah. the table Sunday if you weren't hungry, that's good. I'm going to make some more food. That's exactly what my grandmother would yeah. do. But I see things that I remember from growing up, you know, yeah. including uh, parmesans and, yeah. and lasagnas and pasta bolognese, like, which is, is my favorite. But if you look at the architecture of the building itself, it's different than what you see, obviously, in the Doge's Palace and even some of the other buildings. It's um, very elegant. It's very formal. Um, uh, inspired by a little bit more of a, a Florentine mm-hmm. design than, than elsewhere? It's funny because like when we when we walked into the square and we started looking at all the restaurants, my first impression was like, this really feels like Italy. Like this niche, it's the most Italian of the whole pavilion to me. Like the way the restaurants are, it's definitely, it feels like you're in Italy right now. And that's, and that's the greatest testament that you can give yeah. to a pavilion is somebody coming from Italy um, saying it's like that. We'll just sort of peek our heads in really quickly because if you've never had occasion to come in here before, um, you'll see uh, just how air conditioned it is. Just come for the air conditioning, stay for the food. But you see, um, ciao, good. Um, you see just how elegant it is with the from the um, the rich dark woods and the carpeting and the chandeliers, the mosaic tile work. Yeah, it feels very rich. It feels very. It's between Rome and, Rome and Florence to me right now. And it's nice, the, the mosaic on, on the floor, it's a very nice touch because that's yeah. very Italian, yeah. And if you look on the walls inside, you see um, uh, not just the mirrors, but the, the, the trump, trump? Um, the paintings that sort of mm-hmm. are meant to sort of deceive the eye to give you a sense that you're almost looking out a window mm-hmm. to where you'd be eating. Yeah, and so you get the feel also that it's bigger and you're and you're and it's beautiful outside at any moment of the day. Yes, absolutely. Right, and the the Imagineers and the artists duplicated the styles of Paolo Veronese, Paolo Veronese, see, a, uh, a Venetian painter mm-hmm. um, uh, during the Renaissance. So again, as you sort of peek in, 
it's just a it's a beautiful restaurant that you'd feel comfortable having a dinner date or coming with a couple of friends for a formal evening as well as walking off the promenade in the middle of the afternoon. Yeah, and I notice also all the, the glass sculptures that they have and that's very uh, specific of Venice. Il, uh, il vetro di Murano, the glass mm-hmm. of Murano. So Venice has all those little islands in the front and Murano is very, very famous for all the glass work. So that's definitely something that it's very, very Italian. Yeah, I think we need to come here and do a live mm-hmm. dining, come hungry. Come hungry. Um, attached to here is one of my favorite venues. It's like my own little hideaway sometimes. We did a, I did a review with Becky a few years ago, and it's the Tutagusto wine cellar. And even from the entrance itself, you get that, that feeling of that aged brick, the low ceilings, the, the, the large timbers, and the, the dark woods. And it has a very different feel than any of the other restaurants. Is this, now is this like a wine cellar that you find in Italy? 100%. This I really love because it feels very, uh, very specific and very faithful to, to the country. I actually remember growing up in Italy in my little town, there was this teeny tiny osteria that had a lot of this feel. You had a lot of like the woods, like the table and the brick walls. And it's just it's so warm and, and it, it just it invites you to stay. Just sit, have a glass of wine, chit chat, you know. Don't you, forgot, you forgot to eat. Because <laughs> they do have a full, they have a full menu here. And, and um, if you look uh, on the site or on iTunes, you'll find the review of Vianopoli. But they have a huge um, uh, sharing plates as well as full plates of lasagnas and paninis. But one of my favorite things, come here, I'm just, I have to bring you over here. This is my favorite part. There's also a full bar that you could just walk up and walk into. And, and one of the reasons why I love this restaurant is that you can just walk up without a reservation. But it's the, the case, the cold case. I'm salivating. <laughs> you don't even have to be hungry to come here and want to eat something. We just ate and I'm like, okay, we're going to do this again right now. And this is so Italian, the way it looks. Like, you know, you, the, the, the olives, that's such a, an Italian staple. We have it on every table. And, and especially at night, you eat stuff like this. Especially in the summer, you have the, like caprese with, you know, mozzarella and tomatoes. And you have olives, you have, you know, gli affettati col prosciutto, mozzarella. And of course, you have to finish with Nutella. <laughs> well, of course. So I could just eat now. Carciofi. Carciofi. Artichoke hearts. Yeah. Marinated artichoke hearts. I could just sit there and eat that yep. entire plate all by myself. Yes, I'm the same. I'm like, I adore carciofi. And they're like, in Rome, there's a very famous dish um, called i carciofi alla romana, the Roman style. And they're usually like the big ones. Yeah. And with gratin, and uh, you put it in the oven. Yep. You give me a little, a couple of plates of this, the caprese, yep. and look at the cheese. Oh. Like, I love the, the, fr- the freshly cut, yeah. like, Parmigiano-Reggiano cheeses and the salamis. I could do this all day. Yeah, that's all you need. And that's really what it's, that's a table in any house in Italy. Like, at night, you know, for, for dinner, you have, you know, all those things, and, and you find the same in a restaurant. We, you know... Italian, we actually eat very simple food. It's usually two or three ingredients in the plate, no more than that, but the flavor is so strong and so fresh. Nothing comes from a box, nothing comes from a can. It's very, very fresh. Just look at that little setup of the cheeses and the breadsticks and the breads. And you're right, the Nutella chocolate cake in that. And there's 
five or six different yeah, panna cotta, tiramisu, tiramisu. It's just, you know what tiramisu means, right? You know that. Of course, I do. You know, yeah, but, but just for the benefit of the, you know, I thought you knew tiramisu means pick me up. Oh, that really was, yeah, it means that, and because there's coffee in it, so it's a little pick me up. <laughs> so we see there's there's a number of different specialties and pastas and dolce gusto. So um, what what are some of the the, so we have la fettuccine, meatball parmigiana, <laughs> gli involtini di melanzane, the dorsal melanzane is eggplant. Oh, yeah. oh, breaded and fried eggplant, I eat it like it's candy. So good. In Sicily, there is a plate with a, a pasta dish with the eggplant, mozzarella, and I think tomatoes. Like, it's one of the most delicious things ever. And then they have fusilli di gragnano alla carbonara. Just la carbonara. It's one of the easiest things that you can make. It's just with eggs and uh, pancetta. It's kind of like bacon. That's all you need. And it's like a creamy way with the bacon. Oh. Yeah, it's a pasta. It takes two seconds to make. It's delicious. Ziti al ragù di salsiccia. Of course, you have a ragù with sausage. And then they have different tiramisu. So, okay, you have with the mocha, with the Nutella, la panna cotta, i cannoli. Yum. Yeah. yeah. And full bar, uh, yeah. extensive wine menu. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, like that it's so that it's dark. Yeah, because that's also the feel when you go to one of those in LA. It's beautiful here at night. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love it here at night. And again, you can, for the most part, oftentimes just walk up with no reservation and and always find um, a seat. Yeah. Um, I remember going there once, uh, having a little limoncello and t- oh, limoncello at Lumangello. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was meant to be. Um, in the uh, in the back of the pavilion, I think for a lot of people, this is what not only brings them to, but brings them to the the back of the pavilion. Because I think for a lot of people, Maria, they come to Epcot and they'll look at the map and say, "Well, there's no attraction here. Mm-hmm. Let's just walk by. There's nothing to see." Vianopoli, um, in you know, obviously almost deliberately so, in the back of the pavilion is 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 that you know food based weenie to, to bring you back here. Um, this opened back in August of 2010. This also is part of the Patina Restaurant Group family. They have a number of restaurants here. Really love what they do. And more importantly, the authenticity of... Now, you've eaten at Vianopoli before? I've never eaten at Vianopoli. you got to add that to the list. Yeah, it's, it's on the list. It's on the list. But I have, like, two very dear friends of mine, um, Andrew and Corey. They're runners, actually, and they always do the, the, the Disney races. And they always come to Vianopoli to get their carbs in before a big race. And they love it. They said the pizza is fantastic. I come here to get my carbs before, like, a big walk. <laughs> like, I think walking to Vianopoli is, is why I need to um, carb load. And I've said it forgive me ad nauseum a million times one of the things I miss uh, who am I kidding the only thing I miss most about New Jersey New York area is the food and the pizza is very very hard to find and if you haven't had pizza yet down here and I'm not saying it because I'm just an enthusiast but this is one of the few places to find good pizza and please back me up it's the water it's the water. It's the water. <laughs> it's the water. And, ex- and explain what that means. <laughs> because, I mean, the water in New York is really good. We're on the, you know, one of the top cities in the country. We have the best water. And so it makes a difference when you make the pasta for the pizza, the dough. It makes a difference for the bagels. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> it's like, you know. <laughs> they don't even know what a bialy is down here or a kanish. Uh, a kanish. A kanish, right? Oh the God. things that we miss. But... Before we even get to, to the architecture, mm-hmm. they they do. They import the water from, um, 
to a place where it's the, where the pH is very similar to what you'd find in, in Naples. The flour is imported from Italy because the ingredients, including the water, really do matter and they make a difference. Absolutely. It makes, it makes a total difference. I have a, I have a friend of mine, he's in, um, he has a pizzeria in, uh, in, in uh, New York, and he imports all the ingredients from Italy. Then it, it's, it's a different story. It's just it's a different thing. Absolutely. And the fact that it's it's wood fired, yeah. authentic like Neapolitan pizza, yeah. because they and you can get you can make your own with any types of ingredients, but they also have a, a lot of gourmet toppings mm-hmm. like. How do you say? Now I know how I say it. How do you say that word right there? What am I looking at? Calamari. Calamari. It's calamari. <laughs> calamari. <laughs> um, the artichokes and the eggplant and the yeah. porchetta and the prosciutto, like. The, the price of a pizza is going gonna, is gonna to run you starting around $21, but it's worth it because oh, of the... Yeah. When you use fresh ingredients yeah. and the flour and the water, it makes... If Vianopoli delivered, I would probably yeah. never leave my house. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. And I love the fact that they also do the gluten-free pasta in this one because I think it's important. Right, so you, so yeah. you, you do gluten-free, so yeah. that's important to yeah. know that they do. Absolutely. Right. That I, can, I can do that as well. And, you know, the La Pizza Napoletana has a different... It's a very, very thin pizza that's the way it's made and i can see they have a little picture here you can see this is the perfect italian pizza with the crust that you get the little bubbles yeah that's the perfect one that's the perfect one which is different than like a new york pizza where you fold it and then the oil sort of drips down your arm a little bit onto the paper plate below Um, but they also have pastas um small plates i i know i did a live review of here a long long time ago but it's been a while since i came back they used to have for a little while they had a walk-up window we could get individual slices of pizza to go. Like, that's a party right there. Yeah. But um, it's beautiful inside. One of the things I... There's a couple of things I like. Obviously, they've got... It's a, a bit of a show kitchen. Mm-hmm. They've got those three... Um, the wood-burning ovens that are named after some of the active volcanoes in Italy, like Etna, Vesuvius, and Stromboli. Each has a face, sort of giving them a, a little bit of a, a, an individual personality. But one of the things I, I loved is... We can hear. We can even walk cl- yeah. closer so we can see... Yeah. Plus, we can get a little air conditioning, too. <laughs> They've got seating for 250 inside. They've got outside seating as well as sort of um, covered patio seating. But I love the high ceilings. It's so light. It's so airy. You've got those painted murals that look as though they've been aged as well. But there's something about this that makes me feel, to a certain degree, like I'm at a restaurant in Italy. But I love sort of the communal table in the middle. That's what... Because when I went to my grandmother's house every Sunday in Brooklyn, there was 27, 30 of us around one huge table, about 400 meatballs and pasta, <laughs> and it was a you know seven-hour affair. And that's a snack. <laughs> that's how we start. Yeah, it's I don't know what it's like. Itali- for for Italian side, the food is so important. We take it very very seriously. And one of the things that we love feeding people, <laughs> we love that. Like you can't make me happier if you come over to my place. I'm like, and I can cook for you. It's just I'm very happy happy about it there's so much love that we put in the food and we're very particular about the way we do it then you're like the big table it feels so like you know la familia you know your family here and and you share and everything is combined and it's just an opportunity to be there together and chit chat together you hit on something and i and i try and i've tried to there is something about putting love into the food um it's not an ingredient that you can see or quantify but you can tell um and I think even here, there's some of that because because everybody here is from Italy. Every server, every chef is from... 
they, they know the importance of that. Um, this is not a restaurant where you go to some attractions or theme parks and, and it's about turnover. It's about getting you in and out. You can sit here and have a long, leisurely, delicious meal over a giant, you know, and share two, three, or seven pizzas. <laughs> I agree. I agree. It's just, it's part of the culture. And again, it's very few ingredients, very fresh. It's all about, it's all about the food and just, and all the food that brings you together. That's really what it's all about. And so one of the things that they have on the menu here, and I, and I want to ask you is if, that um, they have a signature non-alcoholic drink um, called Aqua Frescas. There's limonata, blood orange, and strawberry. Is that something that's served and it, like kids or adults drink in Italy? Is it a combined thing, you say, like la limonata with... Uh, it's called Aqua Frescas. Limonata, blood orange, and strawberry. Let's I go, have never heard of it. Let's go look at the menu. Yeah, <laughs> I've never heard of it. Because we, you know, when you see on, sorry, on uh, TV or... Um, in movies, you know, everybody's drinking wine all the time. It's <laughs> even the kids. Even the kids. Well, <laughs> so, I mean, is that true? I mean, is, is wine very much a part of yes. the everyday meal? Yeah, yeah it's, it's uh, you know, I remember growing up, my father always had a glass of wine for lunch and one for dinner, and it was never a taboo. We never right. grew up, we're like, oh, it's a taboo or nothing like that. Yeah. And kids start drinking about 12. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or seven. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Depends from the family, but yes. <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay, so they don't have it on the. They don't have it on, on the menu no, outside here. But, yeah, they have a bunch of different, um, they're called aqua frescas, limonata, blood orange, and strawberry. They do have some um, signature drinks as well. I saw you saw the limoncello mule. It looks really nice with vodka, limoncello, orange juice, pineapple juice, pure. Oh, my goodness. We might have to go back in. <laughs> that would be a little refreshing on a, uh, right? on a hot day. And I, and I like, want to point something out. I'm sorry. Um, they do have one of the pizza with prosciutto e melone. That it sounds a little interesting to me as a pizza, but prosciutto e melone, so how you say prosciutto, right? right? That's how you say prosciutto and uh, cantaloupe. That's the summer dish in Italy. You just we had my hat as a kid. Yeah. you had a slice of melon with prosciutto on top. That's yeah, that's dinner. That's dinner. That's was, oh yeah. Oh, that was like an appetizer. Yeah, well, yeah, the appetizer for dinner. Yes, yes, I agree. <laughs> an appetizer for us is you know, yeah. but I always wondered like how that came together you know how them i don't know who came up with it but it was a genius because i think it's you have the sweetness of the fruit and a little bit of the salty of the prosciutto it's perfect it's and perfect. that's and it's so fresh and that's why um and especially around the holidays a lot of times i won't make it from the kitchen to actually a table because <laughs> what ends up happening you all gather around the kitchen yeah. as the meats and the cheeses and the artichokes and the peppers and all that's being sliced and you stand around that you know here in the, especially a lot of houses here in Florida we have the big island in the middle you just sort of stand around the island and just pick and that's sort of the social center yeah absolutely that's exactly what it is and it's it's funny because like even I still do that that's I think the, the, that's the Italian in me the food and so even if I have friends over I do that and people feel like you're doing too much I'm like this is not no, you need to see me when I cook at Thanksgiving dinner I was like this is nothing we're going to do a live broadcast from your house at th- from your apartment at Thanksgiving um, I got it <laughs> I can't wait to come over because you've never actually cooked for me so I need I to throw, just I want to make sure that you can back up everything that you're saying that's true. That's true. and the fact that I'm uh, and that I'm starving uh, uh, so you might be able to hear the uh, the falling water behind me. 
This is, uh, it's often been called the, the Neptune Fountain or the Trevi Fountain. And it's actually a little bit of both. It's a combination of the two. Yeah, it's a combination. I think it's a little, it's a salute <laughs> to the fountains in Rome. Salute to all fountains, but mostly Trevi Neptune. <laughs> exactly. Um, so La, La Fontana del, del Nettuno di Bernini, it's in uh, Rome, in, the, in Piazza Navona. And the, Piazza Navona is one of my favorite spots in Rome, actually. It's this gorgeous uh, square that used to be a stadium, like the Colosseum. That's what it used to be like. And so they had, you know, fights there and everything. And they actually used to close it and fill it up with water and have um, bottle ship. And, and it, was, it was fantastic. Yeah, it was really pretty amazing what they were able to do. But um, so this is a little homage to that and of course I can see all the little coins in the fountain for good luck um, you're if I remember correctly you're supposed to use your right hand and throw it over your left shoulder if, I, if I'm, if I'm, or else it's going to backfire on yeah, you in a big something way. Something like that, yeah. We're very superstitious. I say the Italians are very superstitious. Yeah, very top ten superstitions Italians have. You, right, you got to walk out. You got to walk out the door you came in. You <laughs> never sit with your back to the door. That could be more of a Godfather thing. <laughs> oh, but there are so many. Of course, you know you can't walk under a ladder, uh, the broken mirror, seven years of bad luck. You have, and if you're if you're on the table, if you're eating, and somebody asks you to pass the salt. You have to put it down. You don't pass it from one hand to another. You put it down, and then the other person... Oh, I've been doing it wrong all yeah, along. No, that's what that it is. That explains that's a it. lot. Yeah. That explains a lot. <laughs> yeah, but we have a lot. We have a lot. <laughs> um, you, so you also see a little bit of the uh, the Neptune fountain in uh, Florence. And, you know, from Greek mythology, it, it looks very much uh, like Poseidon, the god of the sea. And like the, the Greek god, in his left hand, he has a trident. Um, they... You also see the two uh, messenger dolphins and the, the conch shell um, in his right hand. And as you can see while we're standing here, this is one of the most popular photo spots, uh, probably in, in not just in the pavilion, but one of the most popular ones in Epcot. Forget the bubblegum wall and the purple wall. No, no, you no. want to take it by the fountain. <laughs> yes, I agree. It's, it's, it's beautiful, and it's just... There, so to me also reminds me a little bit of The Little Mermaid so <laughs> I'm sure there was a, <laughs> a wink there to The Little Mermaid but it's a, it's a lovely spot yeah and you can make your wish but do it the right way right <laughs> throw it over your back to the water over your shoulder yes. um, and you know if you look immediately to the left um, you'll see this this stone wall which it currently is used for a smoking section I you know from a personal perspective I kind of wish it wasn't um because you see that hanging over that wall um, are grapevines. Yeah. Uh, because people, I think, sometimes don't realize how important the wine industry is um, and how prevalent it is. They, um, about one-fifth of the world's wines come from Italy, and it's made throughout the entire north and southern regions. I mean, pretty much everywhere in Italy, wines are made. Everywhere. And every single region has, every wine has a different taste. And there, I mean, you know so many that come from Italy. You know, for, of course, Il Chianti, that's, you know, that was one of the most famous ones. But you've got, every single region has a different taste because of the wine, the, the grapes are different. So you get something um, sweeter, if you like something sweet, a little bit more fruity, something a little more acidic. It depends what you like. But yeah, every single region has something. Are you a red or a white? Uh, I'm going with the white. It depends, and you know, it depends from the meal, right. of course. It depends from the meal. I do like, like in the summer, a chilled white wine with some fish. I'm good to go. <laughs> so, not only are they are Italians the leader in the world production, there are leaders in consumption. So... <laughs> 
per capita, per capita, they drink 18 and a half gallons a year as opposed to six and a half gallons in the United States. Oops. <laughs> it's good for your heart, right? It's, it's right. It's also like antioxidants and... Yeah, it's. Yeah. I mean, it's fruit. I can justify. See, <laughs> I like how you think. We can justify yeah. uh, almost anything. And you're right. It's not meant. It's not consumed like, you know, you're you're chugging beers at, no, at the no, game. No. It's just part of yeah. your daily routine and, yeah. and, and diet and menu. It's it's a way to enhance your meal. That's really what it is, and that's why it's picked very specifically what you're eating because you want to bring some acidic notes, or you want to bring something a little. There's very much an art and a science to yes. to the wine and wine pairing. I've tried to learn over the years. I still have no idea what I'm doing. I was told look at the most expensive one and yeah. the least expensive one, and just pick one in the middle, exactly. and that's the one that you should order. And if you like it, then it's good. Right, and that's and that's no. the thing. If you like the wine, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what you know wine spectator says or what this reviewer says. You dr- if if box wine from Price Club yeah. is your thing, then go for it, man. It's it, what it's whatever makes you happy. I agree. Because um, a lot of those are actually from you know other vineyards, and it's just sort of repackaged that way, and it's and it's convenient in the yeah. box too. Yeah. Um, outside here, we see one of the um, Carretto Siciliano. They call it Carretto Siciliano. Those are typical in in Sicily. You see those, and they used to have all the uh, the puppets also with those the uh, i pupi siciliani they were called. Um, it's it's a very very specific thing of Sicily, and the, you see the colors. It's very loud with the colors. Yeah. So as a kid, I remember I had like a little mm-hmm. model of this um, that my uncle or somebody had had brought back for me from Italy, and it was this little cart. And I didn't understand, you know, what it was for or what it was used. Um, it was brought into Italy by the ancient Greeks, um, and then were actually utilized by, depending on the region and the, the terrain, uh, they were led by a horse or donkey to, you know, carry supplies and then also used at, like, weddings and things like that yeah. as well, right? Yeah? yeah, yeah, for weddings as well and also in the theater with all the Pupi Siciliani, yeah. So they, they used it a lot, absolutely. And I love, like you said, the, the bright, vibrant, although you can see, again, the, the, the dated and, and aged and faded mm-hmm. colors. Mm-hmm. Um, but this cart uh, offers two different options. It offers gelato and sorbetto. So what's the difference between the two? Il sorbetto it's just a, um, it's usually fruity um, and il gelato it's, it's a little bit more creamy so there's milk in it and it's there's nothing like Italian gelato. I'm sorry. <laughs> there just isn't. So for people so how does gelato differ from ice cream? It depends. It's not that far from it. Like if you get a good ice cream that it's really creamy, it's very similar to gelato. That's really what it is. Gelato, you know, it's usually made, you know, by a family <laughs> that owns the store. And again, you taste the, the love in it. That's really what it is. But it's much more creamier. Yeah. Um, they also have a number of different uh, wines and drinks. They have a, the Rosa Regale. It's a red sparkling wine, which, by the way, pairs very, very well with dark chocolate. Just oh, FYI. Hello. We might have to try that as well. Uh, Bellini's, Limoncello cocktails, Orancello cocktails. And look at this. Wait. They have a tiramisu popsicle. I'm impressed. I've never seen that before. <laughs> she's giving she's it the thumbs up. Creamy a tiramisu gelato layered with espresso dipped ladyfingers topped with cocoa powder. It, it sounds like a winner. All in a little push-up pop. Wait a minute. Let me just... Hold on. I don't know if I can actually... Maybe I... I should probably have one just just to make sure it it tastes as good as it looks. 
so I would like a tiramisu popsicle, please. Yep. Oh, I'm okay. dropping everything. I'm so excited I'm dropping everything out of my... Here, can you hold that? Yes, yeah. of course. Phil, just talk. <laughs> talk. Where I... are you guys from? Napoli, both. Napoli. Napoli, ah. Ah, bravo. It's under the Vesuvio, uh, Volcan. Nice. How long have you been here? I'm, it's my first month. Today is one month and one day. Wow, congratulations. <laughs> How do you like it? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Very different from back in Italy. Yeah, here is, the weather is totally different. <laughs> we have at least one hour of rain every day here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's amazing. Uh, Good. Good. So, one thing I need to pop, you know, right? Here we are. I like how faithful you are to, to the job. Because it's like, you know, you... Wait, Listen, I'm, I'm you, a giver. You need... I want to make sure I, I you know, represent I accurately. Your, your <laughs> Thank you. Oh, here, I'll hold this. Here we are. Oh, yes, please, because we're going to share. Can I have two spoons, please? Behind the man Just to avoid any cootie contamination. All right, here. You. Uh, oh, look, there's a little donkey in the front, too. What am I doing with this? You're going you're gonna to pop the top of this thing and. Uh, How do I do this? Oh, okay, there you go. Oh, look at that. It's like it's like being a little kid having like the push up pops from the ice cream. It's like being at an ice cream cart, except yes. this one has a, a big donkey. fake donkey in the yes. front of it. <laughs> you go for uh, it. Oh, me first? No, yeah. ladies first. No, no, no. no. You go, you go. Here, wait. I'll, I'll do this for you. Here. I'll open up your, your spoon. We're being very polite. <laughs> well, because that's what we're taught, right? I was raised right. Yes. Ladies you first. So here, you Thank take you. that. Thank you. Very and much. I'll take this. Okay. All right. Okay, I'm trying. Is it? I'm going to. Oh, good. Oh, look at that. Mm. <laughs> oh, this is really good. This really tastes like tiramisu. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. Oh, this that's is really cold good. and creamy. I just felt my body temperature go down like thirty <laughs> degrees too. Wait, hold, keep holding that for a second. Yeah. <laughs> There's gonna be nothing left to say. No. <laughs> oh my goodness. Mm. There's nothing like a good tiramisu. And I like it because it's not overly sweet. I just took it way too big of a bite. Okay. But wait, it's a push-up pop. Why are we not pushing up the pop? We're so doing We're this. We're making it. Look at that. We're making harder. so much. Oh, wait mm -hmm. a minute. This is really has the Italian taste of a tiramisu. The creaminess <gasps> and the... Oh! oh. Just, don't tell anybody <laughs> I dropped some. <laughs> wait. Here. We're being a little messy right you now. You just take that. Just eat it. Don't even use this one. I'm done. <laughs> no, no. I'm so fluffy. That's all you. I cannot finish this. This is you. Mm. So, for, so for people who... We've all heard of tiramisu. What exactly is it? The tiramisu, you have um, the biscuits that is lady fingers, and then you have the coffee and the zabaglione. Mm. So it's very... <laughs> we're just like, mm, so good. <laughs> Again, it's very simple ingredients that are just they combine together and they're so delicious and I love this one because it's chilled and it's just perfect mm -hmm. it's just perfect and I love like, that's all that last that last bite is you I love how it's it's fun and it's easy to yeah. eat um, you, we clearly you can share although I don't necessarily recommend sharing I'm doing it just for show purposes mm -hmm. um, that's a nice little treat and it was what five six dollars somewhere around there oh that was very yummy I completely forgot what we were talking about, by the way. It was really good. <laughs> that was delicious. That was a nice little, uh, that was a nice little unexpected treat. But as we... Um, Perfetto, buonissimo. <laughs> Grazie. What she said. <laughs> um, as, we, uh, as we round the corner 
again, um, another statue, mm -hmm. which is a replica of the statue of uh, Gabriel that is on the top of the Campanile. Mm, very nice. Gabriele, Arcangelo Gabriele. <laughs> You're like, yep. <laughs> yep, what she said. <laughs> um, so here's a little Kid Cot fun stop, which... Um, where you can decorate your little Duffy. In the past, they used to have things where you could do like a little um, uh, Venetian mask on, um, like a little paper Venetian mask on a stick. But this is one of my other favorite areas, especially on a day like today when it's a little overcast. I love the uh, all the potted plants and that the casual tables where you can sit outside. Um, but this shop, here we'll go on the main entrance. This shop is the... Eno okay. <laughs> Enoteca Castello. <laughs> Which means? <laughs> it's the wine shop. Castello is a castle. Yeah. Yeah. And I can see all the beautiful bottles already in the windows. So looking forward to see what they have here. Do you actually purchase here? Have you, have you ever purchased? I, I have. Um, I have. Um, and I know exactly that the limoncello is right there. <laughs> so, um, so this is something that I would imagine you would find in northern Italian places like Tuscany and things like that, like a wine shop where you'd go in, purchase a bottle or four, and just go out and share it with friends and family. This is something you would find in any city, any city in L.A., because it's just, again, it becomes a staple of the Italian culture to be able to sit down and have a glass of wine. It's like the, the tea time for the, for the British. We have the wine time. <laughs> and again, it's because you were saying it before, like it doesn't go to an excess. It's not about, you know... Going out and drinking. It's about really enjoying a glass of wine with a friend, not nothing more than that, and enjoying the food that comes with it, of course. What's nice about here, too, is you can buy it by the wine. By, by the wine, really. I promise I haven't had any yet. You can buy it by the bottle. You can also buy it by the glass. And there's also, um, and I think it's going back to, like, the 2011 or 2010 Food and Wine Festival. They had two vintages um, specifically to this store, uh, Sonia d'Italia, mm -hmm. Dream of Italy, yes. bottled uh, exclusively for Disney parks. And there's a Chianti and a, uh, a Pinot Grigio. Um, and it, again, a nice place that you can just walk up, grab something, and then sit outside mm -hmm. on the promenade at sunset with the music in the background. There's nothing better. Mm -hmm. Perfecto. And then you kiss somebody because it's... <laughs> <laughs> right. There's a, clearly, Maria, there's a trend going on that happens with, uh, you know, look, that's why... Uh, it's 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 all about romance. Talking about something Italian, just my eye went straight to the Bialetti, and that's the you will have one of those coffee makers in every single Italian house. Ever. So again, I thought that was something only my grandmother had. Everybody has. This is the only coffee maker that an Italian will trust. That's so how they make coffee. Why? So these are, so it's, it's called Bialetti? Bialetti. Mm -hmm. The Bialetti, yeah. You, you see the shape, it's very particular. You fill the bottom part with the water and goes right underneath the, the valve for the air. And then there's a little accessory that goes on top. That's where you put the coffee and you don't press the coffee down. <laughs> you just put it in. And then a little trick that I learned from a friend from Napoli, actually from Naples, he used a spoon to put, just make three little incisions on the coffee that you just put there because he said it breathes better. It's Again, it's an, it's an art. Okay. And then you, you twist it and you, you, you close the, the coffee pot. You put it on, on the stove and then you hear that, you know, blah, 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 like it starts... <laughs> coming out and then the house smells like breakfast and yeah that's 
that's Italy for you. Right? And they even have some lavazza. Lavazza. And also another one, I wonder if they have it here. It's the Illy Cafe. Okay. Um, it's another one that's very, very famous in Italy, but those those two are definitely the, the top ones. And there's one specifically for coffee, there's one specifically for espresso, mm-hmm. and one for cold brew coffee. Yes, it, it's interesting that they're being so specific. Like growing up, it was one. <laughs> it was literally this this shape. And, you know, the espresso, it's... it's Everything is an espresso in Italy because, you know, when you do the coffee, it always comes out in a small cup and then it changes if you put a little bit of milk in it or you don't, like so. Sambuca. Sambuca, exactly. So that's that's the difference. But, like, we don't have anything like the American coffee that comes, you know, in big cups. Right, you're not getting a super venti 36-ounce no. no. cup of joe. No. It's, a little, uh, it's a little espresso. So we're, we're technically in uh, La Bottega Italiana, the Italian boutique where you'll find, uh, and the store has changed a little bit over the years, but candies and cookies and pastas. And uh, I was noticing earlier, they have olive oils and spices. And like wine, like there's an art to olive oils. Like you'll see this tiny little bottle of olive oil is about $22 because it's white white truffle truffle flavored, super duper extra version, which makes a difference. Yeah, it's another major, like the white truffles and the black truffles are uh, very famous, especially in the the center of Italy. Very expensive, but again, you can make oil with it and you can have risotto with those. Yeah. Oh, they even sell black truffles and black truffles and mushrooms. Pesto and truffles. Very fancy. And of course, olives. Olives. Wow, I love olives. Do you? I'm going to have to turn in my Italian. Olives are not my thing. I I hear you. A lot of Americans, it's not their thing. I I can eat eat artichokes. And I'm not saying I have actually gone to the grocery store in the past, sat in my car, and ate artichokes out of the jar. But in theory, you could could do that. Um, But this is all stuff for the home, too. I love... The Italy-themed merchandise. Um, it's it's Italian-themed as well as Italy pavilion-themed. Yeah, and it's really, really nice. And they have a lot of different things because all the ceramic things that they have, this is very Italian as well. So what's the... Okay, because, again, my grandmother had, Everybody, like, this with the rooster on it. I don't know what it is. Everybody had the, the rooster in their house. I had one, too. Everybody had one. And I guess when you become a grandmother, they just give you one. You just, like, once the baby's born at the hospital, they just give you something with the you rooster graduate. Here's right. your rooster. Um, but also... The, well, right, when you become a mother, they give you the guilt card, and then a grandmother, they give you the rooster. Yes, that for sure. Um, but also all the ceramic that has the lemon motif. That's very, very popular in Italy. I actually have a little lemon thingy in my in my apartment that survived every single move that I've ever made. It comes from Italy. Yeah. This is very... And what does this mean? <laughs> it says, Mia moglie ha sempre ragione. My wife is always right. I'm not bringing that one home. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I love how they have this little um, cold... Right? Oh, look at this. This is... <laughs> this is There's like, little candies oh. and... Sweet treats. I don't know what's in these. What are these little tiny cones? Wait Those a minute. Are ice creams. Stop it. Yeah. They're like little baby. This is like hazelnuts. Oh, and I have caramel. Caramel. Oh, we might have to get a couple of these just to sell. <laughs> Nutella. Stop it. Oh yes. Who doesn't love Nutella? What is this? Oh, the biscuits. So you have a little biscotti and a little espresso yeah. or a little sambuca at the end of the night. Yeah. That's a good evening right there. I can't believe, like, I'm having a moment because I grew up with some of those little chocolates. This one, questi sono il gianduiotto. This is um, from Torino, from Turin. 
And this is really also what's kind of in the Nutella. You have the kind of a flavor. But I remember eating those as a child like they were going out of style. I haven't seen one of those in, I think, 30 years. What is this little fluffy? Raffaello. Those are very similar. Like it's, it's a little three balls. Almond like and this. coconut. Yeah, with the, the, similar to the Ferrero Rocher, but you have almond treats. And, of course, the Baci Perugina. Those are very, very famous. Do you think we should try a couple of these? I think we should. We need to eat. I think you need to get that one. <laughs> get that one and a couple of the little ice creamy things. Though? Which one do you want? I saw they got to get the hazelnut one. Get the hazelnut and then which one is this? We have. They have so many. Cocoa parties. I have caramel milk. Yeah, I'll pick the caramel. You got the hazelnut, right? I got the hazelnut. Okay. And then pick out whatever sort of thing that we need, the chocolate that we oh need to goodness. try that reminds you of. Okay, you need, cause I, I'm getting this for you because you need to try okay. this. And then... And get this mixed nut-shaped chocolate with nut filling. Yes. Those are the little egg-shaped. Oh, oh my goodness. So I might cry. Lots of different oh, kits. This is... <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why we're friends. Look how excited she gets with the food. So this is, you know this one, right? Il Mulino Bianco. So this is a, a very famous brand in Italy that does all cookies and, you know, le merende. That's what, that's what we call it. But I grew up eating those in Bayocchi. Those are hazelnut and cocoa cream Stop sandwich it. cookie. Forget about an Oreo. After you eat this, Oreo will be like, no, never again. No? Never again. So, so some of these, oh, the lemon cookies. Yeah, we, we had the lemon cookies. Amaretini, the little amaretto cookies. This is like we're literally looking at, do you remember before I was telling you merenda is the snack that we have in the afternoon? Right. That's what it's all about. Ah, see, forget it, the torrone. <laughs> like, I'm just going like, to move in, in this store. <laughs> oh, I've never had so many <gasps> little cream-filled puff pastries, oh double chocolate biscuits with chocolate filling. I love this shirt. Those are like... Pralinati. Pralinati. Shortbread cookies. Shortbread cookies filled with hazelnut cream, hazelnut. Nutella, yep. and covered with cocoa glaze and puffed rice. What the what? Oh. This is just insane. I think I'm going to have to make up a nation of care package for some yep. of the nation people and send them. I'm just my goal is to make the people in the nation have the exact same <laughs> physique as I do. Yeah. yeah. If I'm going to go down, I'm taking you with me. <laughs> we need to understand. All right, let's just make sure there's no other snacks that we can buy yes, first. Um, so they have a number of little uh, Pinocchio figures and so Giro di Cosenza. Let me see what it says because I can't read Giro di Cosenza. It always let your uh, your conscious guide. Your, yeah, that's really cute. I like that. I like that. Um, really I like that. Yeah. Oh, that's a really nice one yeah. down there. I've never seen this before. So you see, too, they have a lot of the Topolino yeah, and Topolini. I love that Topolino sweatshirt. That, that's exactly the the, the 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 writing of the the magazine that I used to get when I was a little kid. The Topolino, the font. It's the same. Wow. So at one point, and I don't see it here anymore, um, and I think I'm almost sure it's in this shop, they had pieces for Mr. Potato Head that were made of blown glass, like way, way, way back when. Um, I don't know what just made me think about that, but they had, yeah, they used to have a couple little other tables here in the middle with like little bins and stuff. Put your money away, woman. No, you are not. You just stole my wallet. I did. I will not give it back. <laughs> Wait a minute. We gotta put it away. This is another Italian thing too. You always fight yeah. over money and yeah, who's going to pay. Um, I love some of the, the photos on the walls too. Um, 
But I'm so excited to eat this stuff. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so although we almost came to fisticuffs to try and see who was going to pay uh, as we come back out um, the side of the pavilion, again, I, I love and I love this pavilion especially during Flower and Garden Festival. Um, they do a lot of these potted plants and potted flowers, um, which uh, one of the horticulture said is very much what you'll find, you know, throughout Italy throughout the year. Um, there's even even the the fountain. That yeah. says "Alla salute," Alla which salute. means yeah, to, to, to your health. <laughs> um, has the, the flowers in it, um, but I love how the exterior of the building again it has that that aging sense to it um, that that you get a sense. Uh, and listen, obviously, Maria, you know tradition. We don't eat at tables; we eat on top of garbage cans because <laughs> you've already you've already eaten mostly everything. Look at those little itty bitty baby ice cream cones. Is it ice cream? Is that what it is? Yes, that's exactly what it is. A tiny ice cream cone that, just because I'm in public, I'll try not to eat in one bite. Because <laughs> I don't want to embarrass myself. Those are that's why I do audio and not video. Look at this. This is They're sweet. tiny little, they're like $2 each. Yeah. It's probably the size of... So can, oh, wait. Oh, I can open up mine. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> wait, I'm like ripping it apart. Mm. Oh, my goodness. It's Which one so... Rich. I got the caramel one. It's all chocolate. Oh, you can taste the so caramel. Cute. Mm-hmm. It's so tiny. Which one did you get? I think I got the uh, hazelnut. hazelnut. Yeah, I got the hazelnut. It's stupid. You good. almost can stick the whole thing in your mouth, mm-hmm. but I'm trying not to, mm-hmm. so you can have a bite. Wait. Yeah. It's very similar. Oh. Mm-hmm. So. Mm. Right. It's not really ice cream. It's like eating a Nutella, yeah. like a Nutella cone. Yeah, but it was like in the... Here, yeah, switch, right. Right. It was in the... It was in like fridge kind of area, yeah, right? It, yeah. Because Florida. Yeah. <laughs> you can taste the caramel mm-hmm. in that one, right? Mm-hmm. Oh. Wait, I, just, <laughs> I just started talking to the ice cream cone because I didn't realize I didn't have the recorder in my hand. That's how excited we are. Oh, um, it's very rich. Everything is better with Nutella. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And is is Nutella? Is it something that's eaten? Like again, forgive the ignorant question, but is it eaten like a lot and just by kids or by adults? Sorry, I'm just stuffing my face with <laughs> chocolate. Um, everybody. And it's our peanut butter and jelly. That's the Nutella. Like again, the five o'clock snack, the merenda. I grew up with a fresh. From the bakery, bread and just Nutella on top. That was my snack. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's so good. I say, you know, again, I'm savory over sweet. Mm-hmm. This is so. This mm-hmm. might be the perfect little snack. Yeah. It's the right size. Mm-hmm. It's small enough that you're not really supposed to share it, probably. Mm-hmm. But you got that um, the nice fresh crunch from the cone and just like densely packed in Nutella. Mm-hmm. With little pearls or whatever on top. Oh, that's yummy. That's $2.40. Really, really well spent. I agree. And it's funny because, like, you know, in Italy when you have those cones, the ice cream cones, mm-hmm. usually just at the very bottom at the tip, mm-hmm. you have, it's all filled with uh, chocolate. And so I remember eating it and getting to the very bottom. That's the, the favorite part. And I love that they did the whole cone in chocolate because I'm sure somebody was like, we need to do that. 
Mm -hmm. I almost want to do a video or like a top 10 thing with that, mm -hmm. but I'm afraid the curse of Luke, because usually when I do a video of something, it goes away. But <laughs> that's, um, that's a must-do dessert. Like, I'm yeah. looking around like I want to tell somebody, why are you people walking by this pavilion? All right, open up these other things, too. Oh, yeah. Wait, let's save that. Uh, yes. All right, you, whatever order you You need think. to try this. So now what is this? So this is called Gianduiotto, and it's really like it's from Torino. But it's a Gianduia-based chocolate. So I don't know what uh -huh. any of those words meant. The only, heard, the only thing I heard was chocolate. <laughs> it's, it's a kind of a Nutella-ish thing. Try it. So it's like it's a, little, a little bit larger than like a piece of Hertzie, but it's like a little yeah. pyramid shape. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You want to break it in half? or, or it. All right. Ooh. How is that? Oh. Oh, it's, it's filled. Oh, this one, it's a little fancy. It has a little heart in it. Oh, mm -hmm. that's lovely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. That, with a little maybe glass mm. of like red wine. Right, right. You just have the little something to just wash it down yeah. and it melts oh. in your mouth. You feel it, it like it's. You don't even have to even mm. chew it. No. It just falls apart. Okay, we're doing right. next. Do the little nut thing. This is a little. It like, looks like an Easter egg, but it's, it it's almost yeah. shaped like a. It's, it's designed to look like a little. Oh, we can? Yeah. A nut? Or something? Yeah, that's a little Easterish egg. It's gonna take me like half an hour to find the right place to open it. Oh, this is not helping at all. Oh, it was the other way. Almost there. Ah! All right, I'm gonna take a bite because I'm already holding it. This is not pretty at all. It really sticks to it, the paper. It's also a thousand mm. degrees outside. Mm hmm. Very creamy. Mm hmm. Oh. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Super soft. It just melts away. It melts away. The other one you have to take a bite out of. Mm -hmm. This one you can just put in your mouth and not even chew. But it's not overly sweet, right? It's sweet, obviously. I mean, it's chocolate. You feel it, but it's not. It has a little bit of a bitter taste. I like, the, I like dark chocolate. The dark chocolate, yeah. And all these, these little sample chocolates are like 79 or 99 yeah, no cents. Like no, something like that. So very doable. Which is a really nice way to sample some of the flavors without having to do a full... Uh, sit down menu or buy a giant bag of chocolates right. that you might not enjoy, but trust me, you'll enjoy these. All right, you go for it. Now, these are little, they look like little coconut balls. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Almond and, and coconut. Probably the size of a Ferrero Rocher. Sorry, we're having a full-on meal, people. Here. <laughs> How do we like it? <clears throat> that's not what I was expecting. It's crunchy. It's so like a crunchy mm -hmm. almondy outside, mm -hmm. and then like a... a Really light, fluffy, creamy coconut mm -hmm. inside, and then with coconut flakes on the outside. Did you get to the nut? Mm. There's a little nut. Mm. You got it? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh. And it's very creamy, but it's very light. It doesn't feel heavy at all. It's called Raffaello. If you guys are looking for it, it's the name, Raffaello. Not super sweet. It's, um, it's not heavy at all. I was afraid it was going to be like a really heavy mm -hmm. um, omelette. That's it's wonderful. I'm looking around with a big smile on my face like, that is that is a wonderful little treat. And that's one of the, one of the things I love about World Showcase is the ability to do exactly what we just did. To walk through, to wander, to get little samples, to understand and to see how similar or more importantly how different... Um, the, the cultures and especially the cuisines are. I agree. And I think it's like, you know, it's so different for me right now that, you know, I live here and I'm like 20 minutes from the park than when I used to come for vacation. You know, you come here on vacation and you have a few days and you kind of, 
quote-unquote rush through the park a little bit. Of course, I mean, you try to do and see as much as you can, and you don't really have the time to slow down a little bit. And that's the Italian way, to just slow down and enjoy, right? The smell the roses a little bit. But I think this was the perfect example of being able to do that, even just to take a really nice walk around. And we, we didn't even eat at a restaurant, you know? <laughs> we just walked around and had a few snacks. So this is definitely a nice way to do it. And we didn't even touch, there's also the little um, the gelato stand mm-hmm. out there as yeah. well. You can also get espressos and cappuccinos and Oh, maybe we should walk over there. Just maybe a little, like, if they have like a little frozen coffee drink right now, it would it's like, be. That's one of those things that, like, we need it. We need it's it. Just, that's, I mean, yours. that's yours. No, that's all you. No, I can't have it. No, I can't. I'm. I'm um, I gave him up for Lent. Um, <laughs> I'm pace- I have to walk back to my house. I always feel, especially on days like today, that we're walking off the calories. So. Okay. And calories don't count when you're recording. <laughs> okay, that's good to know. Oh my goodness! I mean, I'm just gonna eat the whole thing. Go ahead, just popped it. You popped the whole thing in your mouth. So originally, the the donkey cart used to be out here, and now they have about six or seven different wines, as well as um, cold beverages and coffees. Mm-hmm. So they have Italian beers, sparkling waters. Um, so there's the aranciata and limonata yeah, sodas. L'aranciata, I don't know what, what they have. Like, L'aranciata is kind of like a Fanta, it's an, an orange soda. Limonata is the same. A lemonade, but a little bubbly. Hot coffees. We'll have to see maybe if they've got something a little, you know, to mm-hmm. cool us down and just cleanse the palate. Maybe not limonata. Yeah. Not limonata. Or they have a lemon tea. Or, or both. We could just get oh, both. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, before we do, we won't, um, we won't, we'll do this... Uh, uh, off the air, so yeah. we can we don't take up the spots in line. Um, I think Italy is such a great example and representation of the history and the, the details. And I think there's such opportunity here, not just for us as adults, but I think if you are a parent, yeah. you have a people say there's nothing for kids, quote unquote. There's nothing for kids to do in Epcot. I think as parents, we have the opportunity to take them through here because everybody is from Italy or mm-hmm. from Japan or from Norway. Or Arendelle, whatever. <laughs> you have the opportunity to talk to them, to learn about their culture. You were speaking Italian to the girl behind the counter, mm-hmm. which I loved. I'm sure she enjoyed and appreciated, um, too. She's been here for about a month. But you don't have to have an attraction, per se, mm-hmm. on uh, a guide map to make these pavilions attractions. I agree. I agree 100% what you just said. And especially the talking part. Just go up to one of those cast members here and just ask them about their cultures or what's your what their favorite thing on the menu because I know they love to share and they're so friendly. And they will tell you things about the culture that they really know because, again, you're right, I was talking to a girl in, in a store. She just moved here a month ago. She's fresh off the boat like I was 20 years ago. And it's different for me, obviously, you know, 20 years ago. And she just came from Italy. It's, you know, it's her cult. She lives there and I can, I can feel it the way she was stalking and everything she was beautiful and so I think it's one of the most important things go from one pavilion to another and chit chat with them and another thing that I just want to point out also be sure to see the park at night right because there's something about again seeing with all the lights and you have the lagoon right in front with the with the water there's something very very magical about it yeah like take your time as you wander through talk to the cast members that's what they're there for all the things that, that we wanted to show you and, and point out to you, 
they can speak to as well and, and sort of share stories from their experiences back in Italy. I think you're right. Sitting outside here with a some fun snacks or a glass of wine or being here at night and watching illuminations, um, I think this is one of the more beautiful pavilions, especially when it is lit up at night. So I think the play is you go make a late reservation for dinner or to do a little tutta gusto, mm-hmm. order pretty much everything off the menu, call me, I'm like 15 minutes away, I'll meet you, no problem. <laughs> yep. um, and then you come outside, you grab a Prosecco, a bottle of wine, a glass, I mean a glass of wine or, <laughs> or a bottle of wine, whatever, <laughs> bottle of wine and a straw, however you decide to roll, um, and enjoy illuminations and the promenade. And I, lo- I love the fact and why I wanted you to come on was not just for the food, but to get a perspective from somebody that has not just seen it as a tourist, but has lived there and can say, yeah, this is exactly what it looks and more importantly, what it feels like. Mm-hmm. I agree. And it's like, you know, even right now that we're standing right outside of it, there are so many people just gathering in the center of it, in the, in the, in the piazza, in the square, or just sitting to, on the steps. And that's something very Italian to do. And I think, again, because of the way it was designed, it attracts people to do that. They were able to bring that kind of feeling to, to the pavilion. And it's, it's one of the most crowded pavilion when it comes to just chill out. <laughs> and that's exactly also what Italy is all about. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, we talk about it all the time. The reason why we come here and the reason why we come back, and I think the reason why we like this pavilion, and obviously there's a connection for us individually, mm-hmm. is the way it makes you feel. Yeah. And there's a warmth and mm-hmm. a friendliness and an authenticity to it that reflects not just Italy, but what you find in all the other pavilions as well. So um, this is not meant to just be a guide for you to slow down and appreciate this pavilion more but I think really appreciate all of World Showcase yeah. as a whole. Take your time you know try, and I, when I say go try a restaurant maybe you haven't tried before, it's a great way not just to have a good dining experience mm-hmm. but to really learn about the people and its culture. We will definitely be back because yeah. now we have got to go and bring this full circle and, uh, and dine here together. I can't thank you enough for bringing your insight and your experience and the love and the family and the really cool accent today. <laughs> the accent comes with a package, so that's, that, that's, a, that's easy for me. But thank you. I've been, it's funny, like I've been following you since the very beginning. Can you imagine that? Really? Yeah. I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, I, I was listening from the very, very beginning back in New York and I was walking in the city listening to Lou talking about, you know, Disney and I was like, oh, it feels good. It feels like I'm there. You, you, you're able to do that. And, and then, of course, we met and became friends. And to be able to do this, is, it's a gift to me. Trust me. So thank you very much. Grazie. Well, this is wonderful. Thank you. And for you, the listener, if you've been to Italy, if you've walked to this pavilion before, let me know, let us know what your favorite part of the Italy pavilion is. You can call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. Go to the Facebook group at wdwradio.com slash community. That's where the conversations and communities take place. And uh, let me know what your favorite part of the Italy Pavilion is. My favorite part today has obviously been able to spend and share some of this time with you. And uh, I can't wait to do it again and, and eat all and the eat, things. Yeah, and then, then, then we need to eat all the things. <laughs> and come over for Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> yes, please. And Christmas. <laughs> yes. And oh, Christmas? Forget about it. <laughs> forget, forget about it for Christmas. The, the, the cakes. And, oh, no. It's like, yeah. Stretchy pants are oh, a must. Yeah, all the way. So. <laughs> Grazie. Grazie a te. <laughs>